Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Is that what he gave me? You going first? All right, I'll go Go first. Okay. Um, Here's one I've just cooked up. Pharaoh and Ball Paint (laughs) Colour or Song by Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) 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 I'm quite pleased. Is it an expensive matte finish, popular in Kensington, (laughs) or is it a cosmic tune by the bopping elf (laughs) of Steve Peregrine Took? All right, I've got ten of them, Dave. You've got to guess. Oh, is it a Farrenball pen colour or is it a Tyrannosaurus Rex track? Okay, okay. Here we number go. one, Elephant's Breath. <laughs> <laughs> it works, doesn't it? Elephant's Breath. Is that a paint colour or is that a Mark Bolan tube? <laughs> <laughs> I can't oh, I can agree. Mm, I'm going to say paint colour. Oh, there are ten of these. Put yourself together. I'm going to say paint colour. Oh, annoyingly, you've got it right. It is an uplifting mid-grey with a hint of magenta that can become almost lilac in the cooler light of west-facing rooms, according to according to Farrow and Bull's oh, website. God. That's very good. All right, number two, Dragon's Ear. <sighs> That's T-Rex. It is. It's a track from A Beard of Stars. <laughs> two out of two so far. Oh, Lord. No, that's very good. Okay, three. Charlotte's Locks. Charlotte's Locks. Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's not. No, oh, it takes its inspiration yeah. from the flame red hair of our head of creative. Oh, Brings a playful God. late 70s look. <laughs> this deep and dramatic orange is particularly spectacular when used in small areas with sharp contrast. <laughs> Isn't that <amazing? laughs> All right, come on. Nancy's blushes. That's Farron Ball. That is Farron Ball. True pink, named after scrumptious ro- the scrumptious rosy cheeks of a much-loved little girl called Nancy. There we go. Okay. Chariots of Silk. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes, it's, it's always unicorns. Any, anything with chariots in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's from unicorns. Okay. Trelawney Lawn. 
That's Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes, yeah, it is. So I kind of remember that. You probably remember that track, and actually, yeah. as I did too, but I just thought it sounded like it might be a shade of green. Yeah, the Lord of Lords. Yeah, it's yeah. from Prophets, Seers, and Sages, the Angels, the angels of the Ages. The ages. Yeah. Excellent. Stark, handsome eyes decide the unicorn is a beast of borrowed wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> a little quote from it there. Okay, Mouse is back. Mouse is back. That's Farrenball. Yes, it is. A shade of green that's quiet in nature and feels soft in rooms both large and small. I love their website. It's so funny. Okay, Lofty Skies. <laughs> oh, Parambol. No, it's a beard of stars. <laughs> See, Lofty Skies actually could be any number of colours, actually, but actually it's a track from Beard of Stars. Right. Two to go. Eastern Spell. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. Prophets, Seers and Sages. And the last one is Savage Ground. Oh, good grief. Oh. Yeah, I can uh, hear finger symbols. I can hear them. <laughs> Far- Pharaoh and Ball. Yes, I've, I've tried to, to mislead <laughs> trying to, you there. Trying to throw me. It is the yellow-based stone hue first created as a background colour for our wallpapers, but quickly added to our paint collection by popular request. <laughs> Savage Ground. Dave, I think you got nine out of ten. That is <laughs> I don't think that's very, very now, listen, good. we didn't collude over this at all, did we? we haven't no, we didn't. Because you don't know what I'm about to give you now, do you? No idea at all. Because it now might seem as if we colluded. Okay, I have a number of names here. Are they the names of acts who appeared at Feminist Acoustic Festival Lilith Fair? Oh, right, okay. Or are they ethical beauty products from online retailer Lush? Okay. How bizarre. They're almost exactly the same. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Lilith so, Fair. Are the acts who appeared at Lilith Fair or vegetarian beauty products from Lush? Okay. Are you that's ready? terribly oh, good. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Go on. There will just be a brief pause. Um, While well, you replug in your headphones. Okay. It should be working again. It is. Okay. First one. Wild strawberries. Oh, my God, these are brilliant. That's fantastic. I'm saying already that that's a vegetarian body product, actually. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a Canadian group fronted by husband and wife team. Oh, okay, okay. Moving on. Snow Fairy. Is that an act who appeared at Lilith Fair or a vegetarian beauty product from Lush? Beauty product. Yes, it's body spray. Okay. These are superb. <laughs> they are really, really, really next, good. Next one. Here we go. Mud Girl. Mud Girl. Act to appear at Lily Fair or Vegetarian View. To that, I can Lush. see Mud Girl with her acoustic guitar. Yeah, am I right? You're right. A she's pair a of a army fatigue trousers. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Kim yeah. Bingham. Yes, that's the girl. That's okay. great. Moving on. Next on the bill. Rose Jam. Is that an act to appear at Lily Fair? Or a vegetarian beauty product from Lush. Rose Jam. This is brilliant. Rose Jam. I think again, it's an act. I think there's several of them. There's one's got a, one's got a violin. One's got a squeeze box. I don't know. There's a string bass. Am I right? No, it's a shower gel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Superb. Moving on. Next one. Is this an act to appear at Lilith Fair or a vegetarian beauty product from Lush? Winter Bloom. Winter Bloom. Winter Bloom. That's a that's a product. That surely is. I see that in the bar. No, no, it's not. It's a, it's a five-piece uh, acoustic um, band put together for the occasion. Winter Bloom. This is genius, Dave. <laughs> these are so good. Mine, we go. mine were kind of rumbleable, but these are absolutely, you've got no idea. Go on. 
Two to go. Two to go. Breath of God. Breath of God. Is that an act to a little fair? That's got to be an act. You couldn't possibly call anything uh, breath. I mean, that's just so sort of. Well, yeah, that just shows you would never get a job in the marketing department of Lush, Mark, because that is a perfume which is divinely enlightened. We've both done almost exactly the same thing. It's so funny. We've both been going to these websites trying to find ludicrous quotes. That's pretty, I love I love the way this works, though. It's an act. It's not. It's a shower chair. That's right. Go on. And finally... Sparkly pumpkin. Sparkly, sparkly pumpkin. pumpkin. Well, that is an act. Sure, that's a sparkly pumpkin. Yeah, no. she's got she's got a kind of jester's hat on. <laughs> no, it's and, she, <laughs> and she's playing jester's. a banjolele. Banjolele. Yeah. No, it's not. It's uh, it's a combination of juniper berry, lime, and grapefruit oils. Mark, there you go. That is fantastic. That is the well. Look, you win. Hands down, you win. That is just brilliant. Oh, well done. <laughs> that follows in the footsteps, the one that we did last, well, you did last week. What was the one? What was it about? Oh, that was Ikea furniture, item from Ikea furniture or, um, <laughs> Norwegian, or, or Norwegian metal. D- d- black metal band black or something. Metal That's right. I know. It started a whole like trend, it. isn't it? Oh, hilarious. There's a lot of potential there, I think. Stackwoody so, has legs. So you haven't been tempted to put in a bid for Michael Jackson's Neverland, which was knocked out this week for a very much a knockdown prize, wasn't it? Was it like twenty million dollars? Twenty-two million dollars. That's right. Well, originally priced at hundred million. I, I, how they come to these figures, I have absolutely no idea. But no, I mean that. I think it's an interesting story. That I really do, because he bought Neverland, didn't he, in nineteen eighty-eight? Well, he made it, didn't he? I and mean, he kind of made it. Yeah, it's, it's just off of Santa Barbara. It's Santa Barbara County, isn't it? And he a two thousand five hundred acre ranch. He put in three railroads, an electric train, a Ferris wheel, a pirate ship, a roller coaster, bumper cars. Do you remember this? An arcade? And I'm thinking, I'm right, there were lots of monkeys, and I think there might have been llamas too. See, Four so, acre lake with a waterfall. So was, was, was there an estate agent at the time that he was making these moves who said, Michael, you know, I think this might affect his resale value in some way. You know, the, the, the number of people who, you know, the market of people who, who want houses with three railroads is quite limited. Yeah. Even yeah. in California. And a llama pen, that's right, and a roller <laughs> car, and bumper cars. There's not a lot of call for it. Also, also the, the estate agent or the advisor could have said to him, have, can you afford this? Well, clearly, unless, yeah. I, unless I remember uh, wrongly, he, he he still owed $28 million on the, on the place a year before he died, didn't he? Well, yeah. So they were threatening to throw him out. And there was I can remember reading a piece about it. It was actually really sad, saying how dilapidated and kind of rather wretched it was. These miserable-looking monkeys, monkeys wandering around the place, really pissed-off-looking llamas, you know. Can you imagine a sort of a zoo, basically, on the way down? You know, it's not it's not appetising, is it, really? <laughs> it is a pretty grim prospect. That's true. Because, actually, rock stars as a breed... Have have form when it comes to to starting things with grand plans. Yeah. On the domestic front, and then not having the staying power to see them through. It's toad of toad hall. Oh, a caravan! Hang on, what's that? It's a motor car. It's an aeroplane. Was it? Was it you to tell me a story, a story about somebody going to interview Chris Squire? Yeah. At his house, and he had loads of kind of. It was Greg Lake, actually. It's Greg oh, well, Lake. I... <laughs> Chris Salovich went to interview him. Greg Lake. He'd been on a. Massive great estate in Devon, 
a sort of baronial pile with kind of, you know, you can imagine the kind of quad bikes on the lawn, all those kind of rock star things, you know, lots of lots of kind of uh, you know, ancestral uh, 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 you know, gear to decorate the place. And he said when he saw him later, I think it was only rented, he saw him later, he interviewed him in, you know, I think it was somewhere like Wimbledon in, in, a, in a semi-detached, there was one solitary suit of armour <laughs> in the hallway. She had to sort of squeeze past it to get into the kitchen. I know, I know. <laughs> But I interviewed Michael Jackson in 1982, 1983, actually, uh, for Smash Hits. One of the last interviews, I think the second last interview you ever de- gave, actually, came onto to the mirror. And then there was actually, there was a film one as well. Right. But, uh, and he even then was living in an incredibly extravagant place with a 35-seater private cinema. I can remember thinking that was amazing. At the time. Yeah. And he watched E.T. on this the whole time. Had, oh, Lord, pyjama parties. And, uh, yeah, and he had, the other thing was, he had an animatronic display built in his... House and Gardens by Disney of the Pirates of the Caribbean. So at any time of day, you could go in there, press a button, and these kind of robotic ships would kind of lurch into action. There'd be cannon smoke and stuff. That's See, peculiar, I, isn't it? I don't even understand how that could possibly be appealing at all. Well, nor do I. Also, once you've seen it once, do you really want to race back and press the button again? Because you're going to... I just don't understand. I, I, you can't I very, vary the experience, can you? I held to the Elvis Presley school of uh, how to amuse yourself, uh, which was that you paid for places to be kept open or to be opened in the middle of the night. Yeah. Just for you and your mates to go in there and enjoy that. And that's fine. And then you That'd go to the thing next time. Uh, but the idea of building it and then being stuck with it. Anyway, 20 million or whatever it was it went for. Because the great truth about billionaires' houses is when they buy them, they always knock them down and start again because they can never be happy with whatever the previous billionaire built. And so the guy who's, who's taken it, who was a former financial advisor of Michael Jackson, says he's going to use it for land banking, which probably means he's going to knock it down. Knock down the lot. Raise it Surely he wants those llama pens. Doesn't he want those monkey cages? Well, well, you know, if anybody out there wants a llama pen or a monkey cage, get on the phone. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. I see people are still arguing about whether the Beatles and your bird can sing was written about the Rolling Stones. And it's extraordinary how these... These stories just keep surfacing. They have a kind of... They're filling a vacuum, aren't they? Aren't they? There's just nothing else. It's the idea that that the most exciting stories in pop music from 50 years ago is really, really uh, rather bizarre. There's obviously nothing else going on because that is a non-story. It the is four really. theories, wasn't it? One was that it was written about Frank Sinatra, which is just <laughs> something some idea about his, you referred to his manhood as his bird. His bird this yeah. is just stupid. There's a story that Cynthia Lennon had given Lennon a, a clockwork gilded bird in a cage, which is sort of vaguely possible, isn't it? Um, there's the thing about Mick Jagger, and your bird can sing. I mean, this is just so clunky and lame, isn't it? The idea that Marion <laughs> Faithful had a hit, right, it's just, it's just nonsense. And possibly about McCartney, because he mentions, uh, uh, you, you say you, you've seen the Seven Wonders, because McCartney famously met Dylan that time. They all smoked weed in the bathroom, remember, in the hotel. All right. But he'd, 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 he'd been to seven levels. And he said, I've, I've, I've seen all seven levels, I think it was. Oh, Mal right. Evans wrote down his every thought. 
But I mean, honestly, who cares? <laughs> Absolutely. Who cares what these songs are about? Well, I mean, we just we just talked about it for a few minutes, haven't we? You know, yeah, we're dismissing that, it randomly. This, this, this is how the internet works. Well, so, you know, when we discovered that Sad Hard Lady was about Sarah Lowndes, you know, it, you still didn't really know what the song was about. You still couldn't really understand no, the song. It was mysterious no. and, and enigmatic and uh, really enthralling, you know. Yeah. I don't want these puzzles solved. Myself. No, I don't. Certainly not. Certainly. But not. but um, the, the 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 Peter Jackson uh, clip from uh, the montage from um, his uh, upcoming <laughs> edit of Let It Be that was really riveting, wasn't it? Didn't you think? It was. My it, God, that was fantastic. He was. He's got his introduction. He says it's not a trailer, is it? It yeah. says it's not a trailer. Trailers are coming later because yeah, and it's not even a section of the film. It's no, not, it's just, not even an edit. It's just it's just a collection of images. From it's the a film. collection of very up images. Yeah, isn't it? it's yeah. it's it, it's intended to do one thing, which is to say, when this film comes out, it won't be a kind of um, downer. You know, uh, look at the Beatles at, at the point that they were splitting up. It will be a celebration yeah. of everything you loved about them. But she's probably, you know, I mean, you can take any, any uh, you know, if somebody gives you 50 days of film or whatever it is, you can probably make it, you can You're edit it. You're bound to be able to find something. Exactly. You can do whatever you want with it. Do you remember what Mark Lewison um, told me? Was it, was it this time last year? I can't remember. No, because the Beatles started filming for Let It Be in, uh, in, in the, in immediately after Christmas, 1970, Mark? Uh, no, no, 69. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, that means that in, in 2019, Mark Lewiston had somehow got hold of all this stuff to look at and was going through everything on the day 40 that's or right. years later. Yeah, he told us that's right. That, that, it, that it had been done. So he, he was he started at the time of day that they all started it. You yeah. Know? And went through it in real time. He said it was it's absolutely astonishing to be able to do that because they shot so much. Well, it's fifty six hours, isn't it? I mean, he made that. Uh, Peter Jackson made that first World War film. Uh, they shall not grow old out of a hundred hours of footage. So this is very much his kind of his yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. But I thought it was interesting because you know we all got the impression from the. I never saw it. Do you ever see the original? I never saw. Yeah, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you? I know, no, I never saw. Oh, it. Sorry, saw a few times. Yeah, yeah. But you got the impression from that that it was tense, it was fractious, it was the Beatles falling, falling apart, wasn't it? it was Paul was domineering, uh, John was kind of snide and negative, George was put upon and resentful, and Ringo is being kind of stolidly diplomatic, you know. But this is great, isn't it? You get this lovely bits of John and Paul waltzing together. Yeah, They're yeah. kind of holding hands at one point, you know. You yeah. get them uh, reading out, uh, 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 singing a, a story from a newspaper about George Harrison being busted, I think it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this, and just seeing the four of them together playing with Billy Preston, you know, playing Get, Get Back is absolutely wonderful. George in his pink striped trousers, Ringo clearly leading the, 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 the fray and he's kind of amazing. He's wearing a green suit at one point. You get Linda and Yoko together. You get shots from the outtakes from the Savile Row. Week. Yes, they're very... Oh. Listen, any you know, as well as I do, anything involving the Beatles' legacy has to have something in there that satisfies all the political requirements. Yeah. And that clip, that very brief clip of Linda and Yoko sharing a joke is clearly put there for a reason, isn't it? You know what I mean? You've got, you've got to have that in there. You know, yeah. 
I think they always do that kind of thing. It's all very equally, you know, apportioned to the four of them. And, uh, and, 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 you know, George Martin's there, Mal Evans is there, Glyn Johns is there. You yes, see they're all in people, there. Uh, floating in. And I mean, I thought the most, I, mean, I thought it was fantastic to look at. And I thought you're going to mention Yoko, aren't you? No, well, I, oh, wasn't, I was. I wasn't. Okay, go on over to you. No, I was going to say the thing that really still shocked me actually <laughs> was that they're recording "Get Back" and they're in a little circle, aren't they? You're really close to each yeah, other, yeah. literally ten feet apart, and sitting smack in the middle <laughs> is Yoko Ono. Now, okay, if she was going to be there, you know, she could have been there on the fringes. Could she? she could have been behind the glass somewhere. She could have been in the corner of the room. She's literally sitting in the middle of the Beatles. And I've convinced myself now, I've got a new theory about it. First, I was kind of just, just really rather outraged by this imposition. And I wonder how she feels about it too, actually. Although, of course, she's got her theories, hasn't she? One of her theories is that without me, John wouldn't have come to the recordings of the White Album. Which may and, be true. Uh, and, uh, and, and Abbey Road, because he didn't want to go back to the studio. So those records might not have existed with them. It's quite an interesting counter theory. But no, my theory about this is that actually, I think it changes the tenor of the thing enormously because John Lennon, in those clips that he uses, is making a, a, a concerted effort to kind of puncture any tension, isn't he? He's just clowning about. He's putting on accents. He's he's doing something. He's done, and I I think he might have been, and he looks actually incredibly self conscious about the fact that she's there. I mean, whether or not he wants her there, I don't know. But she's there, and he's therefore got to do something to kind of, to kind of um, light around it, you know. And so he's incredibly animated in all that stuff, isn't he? Just, just he's constantly playing to the gallery. He's playing That's to her. That's true. Actually. That's true. So it's just a thought that actually appalling, though it appears to be. It might have actually, in some ways, produced a, 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 a slightly more positive atmosphere. I don't know because he's making an effort, isn't he? He's, he's trying to kind of uh, lead the charge. That's true. But I mean, the, Yoko's, you know, sitting in the in that circle is is you know, if you look up passive aggressive in the dictionary, they ought to just say, "See Yoko Ono." In yeah, the, it's know, just a photograph of her <laughs> in the. Yeah. In the filming of Less It Be, because it's just an astonishing thing to do. Because as you say, there's nothing wrong with being there. There's loads of you know husbands, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever have been there, but they they're just sitting off to one side. Aren't yeah, they? exactly. They're very aware that the shot that they shouldn't get in. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, but no. What were you going to say? I was going to say the thing that really interested me uh, over and above. I very much enjoyed seeing it. Is is the key uh, is the is the combination of the the release of this clip this montage and the final caption which is in cinemas 2021. Yeah. Now, right now that that those are bold. That's a bold prediction. And, but I think what they're saying is if we can't get this in cinemas. Is it worth it? You know what I mean? Because it's very moving to see the four of them together, to see the four of them together enjoying themselves in in pictures you haven't seen before, in really high quality yeah. shots, really high quality. They look like high, they look hyper real. You think, my God, that's John Lennon. It could have been done today. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look as if it belongs in the in the 60s or the 70s or whatever. It could have been done today. And 
I think if they can release that into cinemas, if cinemas were open, I think huge numbers of people who don't go to the cinema would go. It would be a major event. Just to see it on a big huge screen. Whereas if it just popped up on Apple TV or Netflix or whatever, it's just another nice thing that's... That's on your telly, isn't it? You know, but it has no event status. You it's, know, it's it's in, very much a film that you want to watch with other people. Isn't yeah, it? It, it, you know, it, it, in fact, the, the fact that you and I are sitting here talking about it, and 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 lots of our pals have been talking about it, it just shows you how 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 much of a communal thing it is. Because all those people over the last fifty years who picked up on the Beatles and discovered the Beatles, they're all interested. And hey, absolutely, and you know, old gits like me would go. And then, you know, I'm not, I'm not readily, readily go to the cinema. Um, but uh, no, it's funny. I've just been reading in the last few days, David Thompson's book, The Whole Equation, which is about, it's about Hollywood and, uh, and about, about what Hollywood meant, what Hollywood brought to people. And his, his whole obsession is you're with other people in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Yeah. You're, you're, you're seeing your dreams in the dark, together with loads of other people who are seeing their dreams as well. That's the magic thing about it. And it's not the same. Not the same seeing it home. Well, no. Not the same at home. No. You know, there would be a great kind of, there's a great, you know, common feeling of emotion around looking at the Beatles, even after this time. That there simply isn't about anything else. I, no, don't think. I couldn't agree more. Um, did I tell you about my interview with Michael Lindsay Hogg? I can't remember. Did I interviewed him in no, 2000, no, no. 2015. He was really, really interesting about, about Let It Be. He was saying that the original plan, you probably know this actually, was that, that, that they were going to go to an amphitheatre off the coast of Tunisia. Do you remember this? No. This was the whole idea. The whole thing was it was going to be a performance movie. Yeah. It was going to build up to a performance. And the plan was they were going to go out to Tunisia. They were going to go, they were going to sail out there. They were going to take some of the audience with them. And he said, you know, I just looked it up. He said, the idea was to start filming at six in the morning with people setting up the kid. Then the audience would arrive across the desert by Jeep, by camel. The Beatles would start playing around midnight. So, but it just wasn't possible. So eventually they had to do it in Savile Row. So they got 11 cameras. Amazing, 11 cameras. Said, uh, some on the roof of the building across the road, two or three in the street. But at 12 noon, I realised that the Beatles still hadn't decided whether they are going to go ahead. They were at the bottom of the stairs. And Paul said to me, he said, let's do it. Let's go. And George Harrison said, what's the point? Oh. And Ringo said, it's cold up there. And it was. Yeah. And then John said, fuck it, let's do it. And they did it. And they had a really good time. And they said they rocked and they rolled like they had them when they were teenagers. And they loved it. They didn't want the police to stop them. And that was really interesting. That yeah. The whole thing was in the balance, wasn't it? You know, that, I'm not sure if it hadn't been rained off the day before, actually, because the weather was so terrible. They built that little stage for them. They got everyone there. They got the studio set up. Still didn't know if they were going to do it. We've been there. We did, did. Did you and I go up on that roof? We yeah, did. we did. Um, I've been up there twice. Actually, it was up there. For, the bootleg Beatles did a, a, oh, really? a, a did a version <laughs> of the set on whatever anniversary it would have been. I can't think how many years after the event it would have been. I went for that. It was very funny. I can remember standing there with Glenn Matlock. But you and I've been up there too. Yeah, we, number three Savile Row. Yeah, yeah. Yes, loads, right. loads of bands have done rooftop concerts ever since, have they? Didn't didn't. didn't uh, didn't Sham sixty nine? Did didn't Jimmy Percy and Sham sixty nine do one over Oxford Street? You two did one. Uh, for, it was did shot for a Los video Angeles, in LA. It? LA yeah. it well, Echo and the Bunnymen did, did Echo a, and the, the HMV. HMV, yeah, they did. Well, I think we were. I was a cube. I think yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, anyway. Sham 69 rooftop. It doesn't have the quite the same ring. There, I don't really. know why not. So anyway, lace up cinemas, boots and corduroys in cinemas 2021. Yeah, yeah. Predicts Peter Jackson. We shall see. Let's hope so. Let's hope yeah. so. So, um, uh, in the in the deaths column, uh, uh, Leslie West. I used uh, to love Leslie West. Mount- you did. You? I loved Leslie. I thought they were great, Mountain. And one of the things I really liked at the time was he had embraced his physical shape and he dealt, he'd accepted it and decided he was going to exploit it you either think i'm a little bit overweight and i'm either going to do something about it or disguise it or whatever but no 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 i mean he called the band mountain didn't he right and yeah, if i'm entirely mistaken he put out a solo album at one point called the great fats beat he did indeed second solo album the great fats second solo the great fats beat like, ah, that's absolutely brilliant but the thing that made um the thing that they're really best known for in america is mississippi queen which was a huge kind of staple of fm radio in, yeah. in the early 70s but probably better known in this country for um nantucket sleigh ride there which i remember um, very fondly which, which was used um surprisingly on the uh, as the theme tune of uh, the tv current affairs show weekend world which is a program i don't think i ever watched but boy, it was trailed hundreds of times, you know, every week, you know, because it was a Sunday lunchtime thing or something, yeah. something like that. And um, so every time it was trailed, you heard this very, very characteristic, you know, heavy rock riff uh, ending on this uh, on this trail, which you used all the time. Uh, but Mississippi Queen was the big one in the States. And I was just, I, I couldn't help, I was just listening to it before we started. And I was looking at the lyrics. Um, and it goes, Mississippi Queen, you know what I mean. Mississippi Queen, she taught me everything. Went down around Vicksburg, around Louisiana Way, where lived the Cajun lady aboard the Mississippi Queen. You know she was a dancer? She moved better on wine. While the rest of them dudes were getting their kicks, boy, I beg your pardon, I was getting mine. It was that kind of thing. It was, (laughs) And those lyrics, let me tell you, Took four people to write. <laughs> okay. Oh my lord! It's absolutely extraordinary. David Rear, Felix Papalardi, who of course was the kind of it's the, they formed around him, didn't they? Because he was the link to Cream. He was the link to Cream because he, yeah, he formed a group with uh, with Jack Bruce and uh, Corky Lane, didn't he? Well, no, yeah. well, no, because they well, it's 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 more involved than that because. Later on, there was West, Bruce and Lane. That's it. Which was Leslie West, Jack Bruce and Corky Lane, who was the drummer yeah. from Mountain, wasn't he? You know, yeah, he was. They kept that whole thing going for years, you know, because Cream had, Cream had obviously just broken up and disappeared. Just at the moment, there was a huge appetite for them, for that kind of sound. For that power trio. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there, yeah. and there were Mountain. They were mounted to, um, to, you know, to, to minister to it. So, uh, yeah, Leslie West. And he made a lot of money in the end out of, um, out of samples, didn't he? The, the, oh, did he? Uh, yeah, he had a, a, a track Long Red, which was a psychedelic blues, which was sampled by De La Soul, Kanye right. West and Jay-Z. So he made a lot of money in the end. Well, the, the other thing... Well, certainly kept going, anyway. The other thing is Mississippi, Mississippi Queen. Is, is is it seems to me the ultimate more cowbell tune, isn't it? If you go and yeah. listen to it, it just starts with a cowbell, you know, like um, like uh, what is honky it? Honky tonk uh, women. Well, it's honky tonk. Well, it's like also the the one that the, the led to the kind of uh, viral video was um, 
oh, it's Don't Fear the Reaper, wasn't it, by Blue Oyster Cult? Yeah, yeah. It became, it became the distinguishing mark of a truly brainless rock and roll anthem, didn't it? You know, cowboy. You've, you've got to yeah. give it more cowboy. Cigarette lighters out. We hear Absolutely. the cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So, Do you remember what a Nantucket sleigh ride was? Well, it's, I mean, it's a whaling term, isn't it? Yeah, whaling. I think you, if you if you harpooned a whale, and you were in the in the boat, and the whale set off, and you were then towed by the whale, and that it unbelievably terrifying experience because you're presumably thinking it might dive at any moment. Was uh, it was called the Nantucket sleigh ride? I always thought that was rather rather. Romantic, actually. When I there, was, there, there were no safe right. gigs on the on the whaling. I don't think so. There's no easy no. <laughs> but I mean, you could you could have stayed in the kitchens and made the soup. But I mean, otherwise, you know, <laughs> there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> this is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. I tell you what, I was looking at. Uh, do you know what was number one at Christmas forty years ago? Uh, so that's 1980, right? 1980. Yes. Not Cliff, obviously. Um, was it a novelty record? Uh, kind of, yes, yeah. Because I would have thought it so was... Winifred School Choir? Well, there you go. That's absolutely correct. Was it you, them? My God. You remember that, Alex? Do you remember the uh, St. Uh, Winifred School Choir? My mum's middle name is Winifred. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Very good. Good work. There, there's no one quite like Grandma, because I always assumed it would be just like starting over, because, you know, this is obviously just after John Lennon had died, and, and just like starting over had been had been number one. This apparently supplanted it. Um, anyway, 1981 Christmas number one. I want to know how many of these are familiar to you, because I think there'll be a pattern will emerge as we get nearer to the, uh, the present time, Okay. 1981, Human League, Don't You Want Me? Everybody it remembers was. that. It Absolutely. Was. Yeah, yeah, what a great one. Following year, less great, Rene and Renato, Save Your Love. Do you remember that, Alex? Yes. Yeah. I doesn't even remember that. Uh, the, and the following year, 1983, uh, Flying Pickets, Only You. Is it a cappella version of... Uh, Classic. Of, uh, it was a Yuzu song, wasn't it? Yuzu yeah. Song, Vince Clark song. Uh, sung by a bunch of uh, a cappella actors. And it was a number one for what seemed like months. It was. was a huge hit. So obviously what was number one in 1984 Christmas would be clearly... Band-Aid. That's absolutely correct. Band-Aid, do they know it's Christmas? The following year, Shaking Stevens with Merry Christmas, Everyone. The year after that, puzzlingly, I don't know why this happened, Jackie Wilson's Ancient Reet Petite. Was really? the number one? It must have been in an ad, mustn't it? It must have been in an it ad. It must be in something sort of denim jeans ad or something like that. So that's anyway. 1986. So 1987 was somebody was the number one is known to us personally. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys always on my mind. Always on my mind. That's right. And the following year, Cliff Richard, obviously mistletoe and wine, and then the following year. 1989. It's amazing to be reminded of this. Band Aid Two was a oh, number Lord, one. Yes. With Do they know it's Christmas again? Extraordinary, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it is. Then Cliff Richard was back there in 1990, Saviour's Day. 1991, it was Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. These are the days of our lives. Win the Win the Houston. 1992, I was always love you. 1993, who could forget Mr. Blobby? Oh, classic, Stone Cold Banger. No, that's the first time you've pricked your ears up. 
since 1980, Alex. So that just shows you what uh, really makes an impact, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Stone Cold, Stone Cold oh, Banger. Uh, 1994, which, oh, yeah, I pulled my uh, thing out of my earphones once again. Uh, but uh, it was amazingly to, to, to recall, it was Stay Another Day by East 17. Oh, man. Good Lord. Yes. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good tune, Stay I, Another Day. I still get a little bit emotional whenever that comes on the radio. And, and of course, why, why was it a Christmas number one? Because it had what? Sleigh bells. Sleigh bells? Well, bells. Brian Harvey. The, them sleigh bells, uh, sleigh, uh, the, 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 the bells on Stay Another Day were all together more bigger and more sonorous, I think. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1995, one of the worst records that's ever been Christmas number one, in my opinion, was Michael Jackson's Earth Song. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's an yeah. awful song. It's a dreadful record. It's a dreadful uh, song, the one that Jarvis Cocker uh, uh, advertised his feelings for. Quite right. the, so the following the three... MTV following, Awards. He did. The following three years, the same act had the Christmas number one. Three separate number ones. Take that. No. In 1996-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1997-1998-1
I could be making this up now, couldn't I? Sam Bailey and Skyscraper. Does that mean anything to anybody? No. No, no. 2014, Ben Hanau and Something I Need. No. I'm aware in 2015, the Lewisham and Greenwich NHS Choir was number one, a bridge over trouble, over bridge over you. 2016, Clean Bandit with Rockabye. 2017, Ed Sheeran with Perfect. And then the last three years, including this year, have been the same act. Oh, lad baby, isn't it? There you go. Lad- no, I had absolutely no there you idea. Go. There you go. I am officionally out of the loop. Well, you see, lad I think- baby's oeuvre, I'm not fully aware <laughs> but of. But I think... I think cross lad baby. The great truth of this is, is that most of the nation's out of the loop. Uh, Indicating that how many copies are Lad Baby selling? Very, well, very it's, few. it's not selling, is it? Stream? No, it's, it's God knows, God knows yeah. what. You know, so tell us about Lad Baby, Alex, because they're, they're, you know, they've been the nation's favourite in the last three Christmases. Don't stop me eating. I love sausage rolls, and we built the city. Right. Oh yes, we built the city on sausage rolls, wasn't it? Was that? Was, was that the one? Sure. Yeah, that that was the one. I I don't think I actually heard any of Lad Baby's songs actually. <laughs> Um, but I'm pretty sure that he was in my year at, um, at uni. <laughs> I'm reasonable. I'm, I'm, I'm 84% sure that Lad Baby was, was in my lecture hall. So you're, let's get this straight, Alex. You did a, you did a course at university on the kind of music business, didn't you? Yeah, I did music industry management and marketing. Well, that was, that was the official line. Actually, I, went, I did going to the student union every day. But, okay. Uh, but let me, I just, I just want to, this is interesting. Yeah. So you had a whole year's intake of doing music, business, industry and marketing. Three years. Okay. And you all sat there and, and uh, some of them were like you, Alex, you know, they were, wanted to play in a rock band and wanted to be involved in all kinds of things. And, and then you no doubt had somebody, people who wanted to be managers or whatever. And they yeah. all had their serious desires. What they didn't know at the time was that the one person who would do far better than anybody else would be the person who had a stupid idea about sausage rolls. <laughs> that would, they, <laughs> but that's the nature of a Christmas hit a lot of the time, isn't it? It's, it's that, just that one gag, you know. It's the nature of the music business. Yeah, it? so totally. It's just it's just, it's just a kind of quirky... You, know, you barely need to make the song. You just need to... to, to the gag works on its own, doesn't it? We built yeah. the city on sausage rolls. It's yeah, but perfect. we... But we didn't do it, Mark, did we? We didn't. No. You know, the lad baby is now living in some <laughs> massive pile in the country. Yeah. <laughs> that not idea for for fifteen years. You know, he was he was at Dougie's Dougie's Sandwich Emporium back in two thousand and four. He used to sit in the back <laughs> of the lectures, just right, making notes to himself. Sausage yeah. rolls. Sausage rolls. It works. <laughs> oh well. So there you go. There's a, there's a, that's our trip through the Christmas number ones from. From ubiquity to to obscurity in forty years, that's what's happened to the Christmas number one. So, uh, any other business, Alex? We got to talk about. We have some new patrons. Good. Uh, Always nice to have new patrons. They are Carl Parker. Carl Parker. Very good, Carl. Excellent. Blaine. Welcome aboard. Blaine Allen. Blaine Allen. Very good. Superb. Nice to see you, Blaine. Peter Carlin. Peter Carlin, who we talked to only the other day. Yeah, got yeah. an interview with. Yeah. Great man. Chris Carroll. Chris Carroll. Good. Nice to see you, Chris. 
And these are all annual patrons. Oh, that's good. That's good. And discount if you subscribe annually. Um, and we also have Tony Flattery. All right. Hello, Tony. David Cook. David, hello. Who's an Access All Areas patron. Oh. Who will be visiting on his birthday. All right. Okay. Good. I hope so. And uh, Matty Hebditch. Well, very nice. Very nice to see them all. What a lot of fun those birthday visits are. We've really enjoyed them. <laughs> really good. That's part of the package, isn't that's, it? That's part of the package. Us appearing down your digital chimney and, and, uh, uh, and rummaging through your record collection. We're very delighted to be joined by a load of people actually on Christmas Day at five o'clock or whatever time we did it. Five o'clock on Christmas Day. People showing us what Santa had brought them. That really was a hoot, wasn't it? <laughs> everyone had a glass of ginger wine. Everyone had a kind of, uh, you know, paper Party hat and a jaunty yeah. tilt. And the highlight, surely, was uh, somebody producing... Uh, we, we'd never heard of it. it was, was it, was it a, a, a Ziggy Starduck? It was, Ziggy Starduck. It was. I mean, that's fantastic. Which had been given by his son. Yeah. Um, so it, it was nice to do all that. And we got, you know, loads more things going on over the next few weeks, haven't we, Alex? Because there's, they, every period is festive when you're stuck indoors. The fun never sets. <laughs> <laughs> so what's coming up over the next week, Alex? Well, we've got a, a couple of word in your attics in the can. Yeah. Um, We've got P- Peter Carlin coming up and also uh, Glenn Colson. Glenn Colson. Oh, yeah, uh, good. So, yeah, you know, memories of uh, Ian Dury and Viv Stanchel and, uh, and Peter talking about his, uh, well, his books about Bruce Springsteen and Paul Simon and Warner Brothers, uh, Peter from the United States. And so there'll be more in that vein coming up over the next few weeks. The quiz returns of the quiz returns on friday returns of the first quiz of 2021 oh god that's new year's oh it's new year's day isn't it yeah new year's day Day. yeah and at its usual slot at six o'clock uh and as we say we wipe the slate clean because the final uh you know we had a cumulative winner on our last quiz which was a week ago just before Christmas. And and Matt Matt Button, I think, carried away, carried away the special ceremonial pork pie from Brace Cottage. And was very thrilled about it, loudly. Very pleased pleased about that. So we shall start, we start the running again in in 2021. So make sure you, you know, if you're one of those people who got onto the quiz late in the day and thought, I'm never going to get on the leaderboard, well, now's your chance, because we're starting all over again. All bets are off. All bets are off. Starting next Friday in what is bound to be a happier new year. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 